History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Milanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. I hope you're having a good week. So last week, we interviewed Russell East of Utah Partnerships for Christ on his mission to Mormons in the very heartland of the LDS or Mormon Church, Utah. As you may know, Kathleen and I were both raised as devout Mormons, and we've really not discussed our faith backgrounds in any detail until now, but we are today. We're going to share with you how we were raised, how we came to leave the church of our upbringing, and how we came to know Jesus Christ of the Bible. So We'll start, Kathleen, you come from a long line of Mormons, don't you, back to the very founding? Well, yes. Uh, My great-great-great-grandfather was a key Mormon leader in the 1830s, but his family came, was a big network even before that. The founders, Joseph Smith, Heber C. Kimball, and Brigham Young, were all related by blood and very close as a family network. And so this was a matter of pride that, you know, our ancestors had been very key in the founding of the only true church on the face of the earth. And that's what we were told. And so we were discouraged away from any other Christian churches as not being true. And we, I grew up in a large network of relatives and other family members that were all part of this. Uh, And in the West, the Mormon church is prominent. There's, you know, there, we we had a group of us in our school that hung out together and we had close, you know, a lot of activities with the youth. Uh, Many things were very wholesome and very enlightening. Uh, But I, had a background where my father was part of a polygamy group at growing up. And so that that's a break off. That's a sect from the uh, church, but it was part of the original founding of the Mormon church. So this was, it was all very secretive. He did not tell my mother before they were married that he was from a polygamy background. And so she had not had full disclosure. And then he ended up being unfaithful to her. And that was very shattering to our family. Of course, that was later. But I always wanted to know exactly what was true from age 11 to age 20. Because we were told every week in our church meetings that if you just pray and if you just live all the teachings, you will come to have a knowledge of the truth of Joseph Smith as a prophet and of the Book of Mormon as being true by the by manifesting you know you will have a feeling manifested to you called the burning of the bosom well i did keep all the laws i did keep as best i could you know being honest 
having Christian ethics, uh, loving your neighbor as best you can, and then all the other strictures like the word of wisdom, which tells you you can't drink, smoke, or drink coffee and tea or have any, or use alcohol. And, of course, you're supposed to obey the law of chastity and so many other, you know, work towards a celestial marriage. And so that I did not get that feeling that they promised me that I would get for all those years was very disturbing to me. And I had questions about it when I went to college. I had a really different background. I was, yes, I was raised a Mormon, but that's about the only thing we had in common in our early backgrounds. I'm of Greek descent, as you can tell by my name, and I grew up in Michigan, which was not a Mormon area. My father never joined the church. My mother was converted to Mormonism when I was very young, and so she raised her four children as Mormons. But not only didn't I, unlike Kathleen and others, not only didn't I have any relatives or family that were Mormons, but I had very few friends that were Mormons. We were a very small group. In fact, when we met on Sundays, for years we met in rented space in a high school because we didn't have our own church building. And when I was in high school, out of a graduating class of nearly 700, I was the only Mormon in my whole graduating class. So But like Kathleen, of course, we didn't know each other then. I kept the rules as best I could. I paid my tithing. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink, unlike most of the people I knew. Didn't party like most of the friends I knew. I tried to keep it as much as possible. And I had my friends, but to some degree, yeah. And especially looking back, I realized it was really socially isolating. There were a lot of parties that I was not invited to. But I never really doubted. I never I never really had the concerns maybe that you had, Kathleen, during my teenage years. I, When I graduated from high school, I went to college at Michigan State University. So I didn't actually didn't go to the Mormon University, where a lot of Mormons go initially, which is Brigham Young University. I went to Michigan State. And there in my freshman year, that's the first time that I kind of deviated from all those rules. I had a lot of friends there at Michigan State that were experimenting with drugs and experimenting with sex and other things. And um, I deviated a bit during that year. But when it came to the end of the year, there were so many protests going on and there was so much unrest. And there there were even violent protests, uh, smashing windows and burning down the ROTC building. So at the end of that year, I decided to transfer to Brigham Young University, and that's where you ended up going. Right, and I was always raised with the the idea that, you know, you'll be so happy at BYU. That's the only college I really considered because my parents really encouraged me to do that uh, because you'll be all surrounded by all Mormon believers. And and, uh, so you had a very different experience. Your dad was against it, but... I already had my questions at that time, but you went on a mission right after that. Yeah, I went, I went for, so I went my sophomore year at Brigham Young, and then I was called, that's what they call it, called on a mission. So I went on a full-time two-year mission to Switzerland, and it was during that mission, ironically, because you're full-time, 100% missionary, that was when I had my first doubts. And the reason I did is because my companion and I, we'd be telling all these people, if you read the Book of Mormon and you pray about it, you will get that burning in the bosom. You will get a spiritual witness from God that it is true. And over and over again, 
That did not happen. In fact, the people that we did convert, and we did convert some, even they didn't really get that, you know, that spiritual witness, that burning in the bosom. They they maybe joined for or were baptized for other reasons. But so at one point in my mission, and this was really pivotal, pivotal, my companion and I actually stopped working, and for several days we fasted and we prayed. We did our own separate prayers. I had two prayers. I prayed, is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God? Because I was even having doubts about that. And then I prayed, is the Book of Mormon really true? And I received a strong spiritual impression that Jesus was the Son of God, even involving, I I was praying and praying, I, I even experienced a white light coming over me. So it was a real spiritual impression. And then I prayed separately, as I had multiple times, is the Book of Mormon true? And I just got a nothing. I just got an absolute nothing. And so while that didn't immediately convert me away from Mormonism or to Christianity, it was something, obviously, that made an impression. Well, and then we met at BYU, and Brian and I really, of course, hit it off. We fell in love, and there was a question of marriage. Well, I had been brought up with the idea that celestial marriage is the ultimate, and your your destiny as a woman depends on the the valiancy, they call it, you know, the the performance, you might even say, of your husband. He has to meet all the requirements and do all the laws. And I had seen that my father had broken his covenants, as they call it, and that my mother had no hope, not really, of reaching the highest heaven, not anymore now because he had blown it. So this, I, you know, I, I really hesitated going into the temple uh, because what if my husband blows it? And then I, am, am I going to be, uh, you know, have no hope in it either. I saw what happened to my mom. And you so. could say, in a way, Kathleen, you could say that you were, your fears were justified because I did blow it. In <laughs> but uh, but we yeah. went ahead. We got married in, Salt, in the Salt Lake City Temple, which is the granddaddy of all the temples. And shortly thereafter, we moved back to Michigan, and I started working on my University of Michigan MBA. And we were still very active in the church. We were very active in the local Mormon church there at the University of Michigan. I made some close friends among the graduate students, many of which the Mormon graduate students, many of whom were from Utah. But ironically, there again, that's where my faith was really challenged because they started talking to me about elements of Mormon history that I sure never heard in my BYU class on Mormon history. They told me about thousands of edits that had been made in the Book of Mormon. They told me that Joseph Smith was a huge polygamist, and he'd even married all these women that were married at the same time to other men. And those those facts are true. Yeah. The claim is that the Book of Mormon was dictated to Joseph Smith directly from God, letter perfect the first time. Well, it turns out there's thousands of edits. That was just one thing. But then uh, those student, those same graduate students knew all these things, but... Yeah, the the thing is, so after about a good year of hearing this uh, over and over, not over and over, but new and more and different things, at one point I was in a conversation with two of them who were both Ph.D. students, and I said, how can you guys even believe this, or how can you even, I'm surprised you're even staying in the church. And I got the same response from both of them. 
There is no way that we are ever going to leave the Mormon church. It's the church that we go back in generations. It's our family. It's our culture. It's our upbringing. And we are never going to leave this. And you can imagine, especially for me, who didn't have that background, who felt that I had, I felt like I'd sacrificed a lot being kind of like the lonely Mormon in Michigan all this time growing up. But I... I put it all on the fact that it's the only true church. And then these guys are telling me kind of, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's true or not. Uh, what matters is the cultural and the social and the family and all that. And that was that was a huge turning point away from the church for me. Well, and that wasn't good enough for me. Like, oh, I'm just going to stay in the church because it's my culture and my background. No, I'd experience what it's like to be deceived and to be hurt by that. And I wanted to base my life on the truth. And so I, uh, you know, so you got asked to be a, have a, to be in a position of real responsibility in the in the church to be an elder, and that forced you to really make a decision. Well, I'll, am I going to take on this commitment? Or it was president of the elders' presidency for right. that particular Mormon church, and that was, I knew that was a big commitment, and that really forced me. Into a decision. Well, and that forced me to, because am I going to follow my husband or am I going to, uh, you know, stay with my cultural background? So, but I still, I wanted to know it was true. And that, that led us on a even more extensive investigation into the church Mormon history. And we'll talk about that more after the break. Be right back. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. God loves San Diego. This is K-Praise, a service of Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. We are back telling our stories of how we were raised in Mormonism and how we have come to Christ and the process that it took. It, it was a long process for both of us. And we've gone through it together a lot. Uh, but So we got to the point before the break about going to college and then being married in the temple and then uh, being at a Mormon institute in Michigan where the graduate students told us a lot of inconsistencies and discrepancies in the Mormon history. So, so then I got my MBA, and I, we went off moving around the North America, and I embarked on a corporate career. And I was raising the children, uh, but I wanted to know the truth. I embarked on a long search for truth, and the Lord led me on a, a journey. Uh, you know, I had seen what had happened in my family being shattered by untruth, and so I, I been, began investigating, and since we were moving, I wasn't in my network of family anymore, and I, I wasn't in the church, so I had a lot of exploration opportunities, and I tried different churches, I tried different clubs, different groups, I read a lot of books, because uh, I wasn't, you know, surrounded by my, my, my regular culture, we were far away. So I searched in books, and I found... I wanted to know who Jesus was. I took a class in the historical Jesus at a university, and they did not tell me the, who the historical Jesus was. They 
steered you away from the historical Jesus. They said, oh, the resurrection happens in your heart, and they, we, we only know five facts about who Jesus was, about who he was in his history, and they said, uh, you can see him as a social reformer, or you can look at him and see whoever you want to see. He was just an extraordinary man. Well, that was not the historical Jesus. That's not the the story of the Bible at all. So I kind of closed the book on that, and I said, well, I'm just going to live the Christian ethics as best I can anyway. And then I looked into what the university had to offer, the Darwinism, the Freudianism, the Marxism, and I also took philosophy, so I was trained in tools of logic. And so then I applied those to those ideologies, and I found so many inconsistencies as well in all of those. And they didn't answer the eternal need that we all have either. But I was even told at Stanford University, well, these, you know, Marxism, Freudianism, Darwinism, they don't stand up to science, but we like them anyway. And that just really disillusioned me. Uh, either you believe in science and what science can know and and what it reveals as knowledge and truth, or you don't. And so that was a process of elimination. It took me years to find that out. And I also dabbled in New Age, and I had a friend that that got psychic readings, and, you know, we we get these predictions like channeling i remember that she did channeling <clears throat> well yeah it i was you know i wanted to find out so she would get for instance here's a short little story she was in love with this man and she, uh, the psychic told her that yes he loves you he adores you and so what happens that in two days or very shortly after that, she walks in a bar, and there he is with somebody else. And and that was crushing to her, but it certainly didn't live up to the psychic's prediction. And so there were many things that happened like that of demonstrating to me that you can be really taken advantage of if you don't seek out truth and wisdom. So it wasn't until... Well, meanwhile, well, yeah. meanwhile, I was really focused on my corporate career. And as I look back over, and we're talking a period of about 20 years or so, I just never had any curiosity to ever even crack open the Bible. And part of that is because I'd found that Mormonism in my, in my mind and mind and heart was not true. And I already believed that that was previously that that was the only true church. So if that's if the only true church isn't true, then I guess none of them are. And and that was good enough for me. So I did try to be a good dad. I had three daughters to raise, and I went to their soccer games, and I went to their Awanas, I think it was called, and all their other different groups. And and again, tried to be a good dad with each one of them. But other than that, I was focused on my corporate career. I moved up the ladder. Um, had a lot of different responsibilities, did a lot of international travel. But then when we lived in Seattle in the mid to late 90s, for the first time, we were at least exposed to other Christian families, weren't we? We lived in that little cul-de-sac with only three other nice homes, and they were all um, they were all Christian believers, and they were really nice to us. Right, and that was so... Uh eye-opening and wonderful that 
you know, well, it, the, 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 we moved to Seattle in later on tw- in the twenty-year period. You know that we were searching, and I think the Lord did that in an intentional way. But those families were so friendly and so nice, and they they invited us to dinner, and they didn't push us. They they did invite us to church several times, and sometimes we would go, and we got involved with the cause with them to shut down a strip joint that had just moved into our family neighborhood. So Right next to Chuck E. Cheese Pizza. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of made a, a bond between us. But but we, we weren't ready at that time, not wanting to look into who Christ was or anything about it, just because uh, we, we, we weren't ready. But that those four years, spending those time, that time among those families just planted seeds and gave us a very good impression of, of Christians. And I think that's so true, just to diverge for a second. The idea of planting seeds, if we have, a lot of times we have conversations with a non-believer of one kind or another, and we might feel like, gosh, we didn't get anywhere with them, or they didn't pay, they didn't, I don't think they understood anything I said. And I think it's very underappreciated how much seed planting happens. I know it happened with me, and, and it happens with so many people I know. But anyway, to continue with our story a little bit, I got, while we were still in Seattle, I got this big promotional opportunity to move all the way across the country to Delaware. And I took over managing this dental products company, hundreds of employees. I had two manufacturing plants. I had a big sales force, research and development group, and all this kind of thing. So I jumped into that. But God had other plans for us as well, didn't he? Well, you were very busy, and I was also busy with the house and raising our small daughter, who was just going into kindergarten at that time. So I started investigating schools for her, and this was a more rural area. It wasn't used to what wasn't what I was used to. I'm more suburban with lots of choices. Well, Del- Delaware, right? Yeah. So this was a town of thirty thousand people. And once again, the Lord started putting more Christians in our path. And I found out about homeschools, and I found out about Christian schools, and I found out about charter schools. And, and I became interested in, in more independent education for her. And I got put on the board of a charter school with other Christians. And so this was really interesting to me. And I... I, I, I thought, wow, this, you know, but, but then the Lord started putting more Christians and we worked on a political campaign. The, the person who ran against who is now president, Joe Biden for Senator, he was in Delaware and he was a very inspirational and uh, exemplary Christian that we got to know. And one of my direct reports, the head of operations and manufacturing was a devout Christian, something that I'd not run into a lot in my business corporate life onto that point. But And you became friends with his wife, who was, like you, very musical. Yes, we were involved in the same musical group, and she would sing for different churches with the group. Uh, but it wasn't until I, once again, was searching in books. I've always loved reading and doing studies. So funny enough, we went to visit our brother and sister-in-law in, uh, we're in North Carolina who are 
or very believing Mormons. And it was she, my sister-in-law, who gave me the book, Mere Christianity. And this is after we'd been, been, you know, been more exposed to all these Christians. So for the first time, I read what Christianity really is. So because I'd been told something wrong by the Mormons, I'd been told a different gospel by the secular humanists. So this is what the Bible says that who Christ is. And so that, you know, I heard it intellectually. I mean, I read it intellectually with the book. So that removed some of my barriers in my mind. But then when... It was God's perfect timing because you were reading that book and then the wife of my operations uh, director invited us to church. We went, she invited us to a Christmas, uh, Christmas yes, program. And, and, yeah. and then I heard the choir singing and the beautiful music and the praises. And I heard the preacher tell the gospel for the very first time from the pulpit. And, and I just melted, you know, everything that had accumulated up till that time, just kind of accumulated, uh, culminated and and I just I just uh I just melted I cried I knew that I needed forgiveness I turned my lord my life over to the lord the actual creator of the universe who had died for me on a on a cross and I, it just it all came together and I I became really a follower of Christ at that time. And meanwhile, I developed for the first time maybe ever, at least in many years, a thirst to know what was in the Bible. So the first thing I did, I signed up for a weekly community Bible study, which was interdenominational. You weren't part of that. It wasn't generally people in the church we had started going to either. And we were reading the book of Acts, and it was a powerful witness to me I remember, I still remember, in fact, I went back recently and went back to those original study materials and remembered the, yes, feelings, but also impressions that and witness I had that this is real history. This is real history. This really happened. And, and that it, was the turning point for me to want to turn towards the real Jesus and have Jesus Christ in my life. And that is such an important point, is that the Bible is history, and we can verify it. And there are facts that can be checked out, and there's archaeology, and the the truth will never contradict history and science and how we how we know things. Uh, science claims to know a lot more than it actually knows, but if if science contradicts it contradicts it, then you should they should go back and look further. But we have a strong testimony of of who Christ really is and how he speaks to us through the Bible. So that's our stories. We hope you've been blessed by it. We encourage you to get to know your Mormon neighbors, love them, understand where they're coming from, and how, you know, try to have a conversation about what the Bible actually teaches versus the Mormon gospel. They're really wonderful people. And and consider inviting them to church. They've generally been shut down during COVID. So thanks, folks. This may be a real opportunity. We bless you till next week. 
Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise.